Speaking of getting booked, this podcast is about one thing, getting booked to speak more. Whether you are an established speaker or a newbie, we want to see your career take off. Hundreds of speakers are hired every single day. And you are next. Let's jump in with your host, Matt Browning. Hey, speaker. Hello, influencer. Welcome back to Speaking and Getting Booked. I'm your host, Matt Brawning. This show, as you already know, is about one thing. It's getting you to booked to speak more. Um, along the way, what we've been doing already, as you've probably noticed from our previous guests, is I'm always wanting to bring someone who books speakers on platforms, witnesses speakers on platforms, and really people that know how to get you into different areas to speak more. That's all what it comes down to. What I've found though, is there's also, most of these people also speak for a living as well and have quite a successful career. My guest today is no exception whatsoever. She is the current programs chair for the National Speaker Association Arizona chapter. She's also an active member of Toastmasters. She's an international speaker herself. She even is a published author with a true crime memoir called Serrated and a domestic violence board game prevention board game creator, Stephanie keynotes and facilitates workshops on cultures of learning, strategic thinking, and collaborative accountability. She's a mastermind group leader as well for business owners ranging from marketers to designers, financial planners, and recruiting firms, helping entrepreneurs grow and build their businesses, increase sales, revenue, and market share. Welcome to the show, Stephanie Angelo. How are you? I'm doing great and even better now that I'm talking with you. Oh my gosh, look, you have <laughs> fast become one of my favorite people to connect with. Um, I know early on, it was a little bit um, hot and heavy as we were trying to get uh, s scheduled in to go speak at the Arizona chapter. As we've recorded this, I'm coming out in a few days. So I'm going to be out with you um, having dinner, speaking and bringing some value on uh, NLP from the stage for the members out there. And I'm really looking forward to spending some time in the sunshine with you because I'm sick of Grand Rapids. Yeah, we are looking forward to it too. And you're getting out here um, at a good time of year when it's not going to be ungodly hot. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same thing. So like, like everyone loves to go to Phoenix and Florida, except for in the summer. <laughs> I have friends in Germany that have texted me and said, well, we want to come visit you this summer. And I've said, no, you don't. No. Now, yeah. you want to go when it's nasty in Germany, come over in the winter, it'd be perfect. So let's jump into some speaking stuff. So Stephanie, when did you, how long have you been speaking? When did you start your career as a speaker? And how long after that, if any length of time, did you start getting involved in like serving and being a part of like the NSA and, and, and things like that? Goodness, that's a, a multifaceted question. Well, I was always speaking, you know, when I when I worked internal human resources, I, I was always doing training programs and that kind of thing. And many years ago, literally 2001, this is how I got started with it. I was volunteering for the Arizona State SHRM Conference. SHRM stands for Society for Human Resource Management. And I was the programs chair. And I said to the committee, I have no idea where to find speakers. And somebody said to me, well, what about national speakers? Speakers Association. I was like, well, who are they? Mm. So I looked into it and that's how I found my first speakers. It was actually one of those people that I brought in and hired to speak at the SHRM conference who mentored me and brought me to my first NSA chapter meeting in 2002. And then I qualified for professional membership in 2003. So I have been a member actually this is going to date the podcast just a wee bit, but this is the month of my 15th anniversary as a professional member. Wow. Well, yes. first off, congrats. That's 
Because being a professional member means that you have created revenue as a speaker, correct? It does. You have to um, you basically can't be a professional member prove it in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for people that are early into it, they have what's called a candidate program. Some people call it an academy. They can run it a little differently, but those are for people that have not reached the criteria yet for professional membership. And I reached professional membership in one year and usually takes a couple. And so that was a really great thing. And I was doing that because I was doing a lot of career transition training at the time. Well, congrats on that. I think that's that's absolutely awesome. So again, guys, if you're listening to this and you are a brand new speaker, remember one of the things to do is get involved in a membership organization or maybe multiple as soon as you can be a part of something and start going after because like to set a goal in your future, if I've made no money directly from speaking to make some money is a really good goal to start. The other thing Stephanie just mentioned was the SHRM conference. So Stephanie, that is that S-H-R-M? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Or is, it, is there a little secret E in there? I want to put that on the show notes. Society no, it, of Human Resource Management? Yeah, it, it stands for Society for Human Resource Management, but they don't have the word for in there. So it's just S-H-R-M. And a lot of people say shroom. It's not a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually sherm. Love that. So, so, yeah. so, so again, one of the things we like to do in this podcast is, as you've been listening through, we always end up with these little nuggets and gems of places to look and associations to be a part of. So I'll make sure I jot down those notes as we go. Uh, but you'll see that in the show notes, the Society for Human Resource Management. So if you yeah. have a background, what would it take to speak at a conference or an association around SHRM or something similar to that? When you were back in that world, and you still are to a bit, how, how, would, how would I start... Ge- moving myself into maybe being a candidate to to be part of a conference or or a breakout or something like that with these guys? Super good question. And, and one of the reasons why that's good is because after I was the program's chair there, I ended up speaking at our state conference probably five times. And I will again this August. They've asked me back again, which is really thrilling. And I'm so pleased to receive those invitations. I've spoken at SHRM conferences in probably six other states. And the way to do that is probably twofold. You either get well known enough that they seek you out and they say, will you come speak at our conference? And the other way is that most of those state conferences will post an, a call for speakers Probably around eight months prior to their conference. So watching their website is a really good idea. And then look at what the criteria is for that call for proposals and answer that call. So it's it's really going to be for people that have human resources related topics and things that are going to resonate with human resource professionals and that can be certified for for recertification units by the Society for Human Resource Management and the Human Resources Certification Institute, two different entities. My goodness, that was a lot to unpack, but let me (laughs) ask a a, a quick, really important qualifying question. So there's a lot of associations out there that are like this, where they're looking for CE credits, essentially, right? True. So it needs to be in your industry. So if you have an industry background, like you have a human resources background, what kind of things would you teach or speak on uh, at a SHRM conference? And Mm -hmm. would would that be (laughs) CE-able? Yeah. A lot of those things that surround human resource-related laws, employment laws, leave of absence types of things, hiring, firing, you know, um, benefits-related 
all of those kinds of things are really, really important and how to be more innovative and how to do employee engagement programs within your website, uh, excuse me, not website, within your workplace. All of those kinds of things are really useful for for HR professionals. Training, different types of trainings. Mine are around cultures of learning, strategic thinking, uh, accountability programs, team building. Okay, okay. So now we're getting to the fun stuff because when you start, and here's my concern sometimes too with speakers is there's a lot of us out there that are, you know, we're speaking on leadership, on corporate culture, on team building, on motivation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Conflict resolution. There's a lot of topics I have, and probably you do too, that you could fit into many different uh, cultures, right? True. You, if you have a conflict resolution, let's say you could bring that to a parenting conference or to a human resources conference. Uh, is everything that you do with them certifiable or as far as like, you know, it get, you can do credits for it? How do the soft skills work? How do, you know, shifting culture or conflict resolution, let, let, let's say if I'm not... I don't know, like maybe I'm not part of the organization. I just want to go speak at this conference and bring a soft skill or one of the keynotes I would do. Is that even possible? Or does every speaker at a conference like this have to um, fall into the category of continuing education? You know, it has to meet certain criteria that they think that their attendees are going to want to spend money to go to a conference for. Well, look, that's okay. That's okay. Pardon me? Like that one's okay, right? Because that's about selling a topic that they really think their attendees will want versus some technical topic that they need to know, if that makes sense. Well, they can take all of the topics that are submitted, and if they find interest in them, they will send the entire package of topics to the Human Resources Certification um, Institute and to SHRM and ask for the entire conference to be certified for 12 and a half hours. Okay, good. So it doesn't necessarily have to be program by program. I have done mine program by program because I sell them, so to speak, to other audiences as well. And I also sell them to non-HR audiences, so leaders and managers and so forth that really don't care about human resources recertification. So it can be things like that. But they will take something that you have, Matt, and I think that they would find that very interesting because those skills in NLP can really be useful to human resources people. Just like you take them to leaders and you take them to men, you might take them to salespeople. Certainly. Right? Well, and that's one of my problems as a speaker is, you know, having to niche down and say, this is the one topic for the one demographic because my natural tendency, and I know a lot of you listening, you fall into this category. I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity because I'm too niche down. So maybe we can have that conversation. What's your take, Stephanie, about being super niche down as a speaker where you say, this is my topic or these are my three talks. This is who I go for. I, I do sales kickoffs or you know, that's my thing or whatever it is versus because uh, that's going to close off a lot of options. But at the same time, how many options are out there? Right? If you close down a lot of options, the ones that are open are really going to see you as the person for them. That's potential too. What's your take on niching down tremendously to serve that target uh, speaker platform place versus trying to be a little more versatile and fit into different places? I think more and more people are, are needing to be really niched. I think some of the real experts out there have their audience and they speak really, really well on certain topics. So they might have two or three 
keynotes or two or three workshops or something like that, but they have really targeted, this is my group. You know, when you look at some of the speakers profiles and they have 40 different things, Yes. you know, I can't help but look at that and go, how good can they really be in any one of them? You know, you cannot be the jack of all trades or the Jacqueline of all trades. To me, that's kind of being the master of none. Uh, so, so like what you see with me, I have three main topics and my audiences are pretty narrow. They're HR, they're leaders, they're managers for the most part. Occasionally, and we might talk a little bit about reinvention. Occasionally, I do get requests to go back to doing my domestic violence work. And I don't, it's not something I market much anymore, but when I'm asked to do it, I love serving that audience because it was something that was really, really meaningful to me and it helped lots and lots of people, which I'm really grateful to have been able to do. But in terms of niching, I think it's important to do that, to really find your place and go for it. Well, and let's take that opportunity for a cheap plug too. So when you were doing your domestic violence work and and, and good on you for doing that too, because it's just, there can't be enough awareness and beyond awareness, you know, tools and strategies and and education to, to shift, you know, how, how different cultures view this. You have a book that's a true crime memoir that came out called Serrated. Mm-hmm. And tell us just briefly about that and where, can we find it on Amazon or wherever books are? You can find it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, Amazon. It, I never and get a and through my question. website. Um, Serrated was written in 2010 um, by myself and a woman named Tracy Stombrace. And Tracy suffered a hellacious attack of domestic violence. She'd, she'd had an ongoing uh, issue with domestic violence in her marriage and really always knew he would kill her someday. And he would say that, I'm going to kill you someday. Well, the day came when he tried to kill her. He stabbed her and cut her some 40 times. Her mother intervened, which I would never recommend you do, but she was a mom. I mean, moms do. What mom is not going to. But, But for her heroism in trying to save Tracy, she lost her life. Oh gosh. Um, and and so the real crux of the story is that Tracy's ex-husband only served 12 years for aggravated assault and kidnapping. Yeah, so I can see your eyes go wide. You're like, My "What?" Eyes are wide if you're on video. I Right. What? Right. And and so that is really the story. It's really about the the justice system and how the justice system that we have so much faith in can truly fail people. And um you know, about trying to get really a message out there about how people can end up in a domestically violent situation and really how to not be so judgmental about people in those situations. There are really several different messages in the book. My goodness. Well, listen, if, yeah. if, this, uh, if, if this sparks uh, something in you or if it strikes a chord, um, grab the book Serrated um, and, and walk through that, that true crime memoir. It's I mean, a fascinating, fascinating story, certainly. Um, and it gives you a, a good eye into, like you said, stuff in the justice system. So that's available on Amazon. We'll have a link in the show notes so you can check out the book. Um, also, you can find it at stephanieangelo.com. That'll be in the show notes. Um, since we're doing plugs, let's, you can also find more about Stephanie, stephanieangelo.com. LinkedIn is stephanieangelo, S-P-H-R. That link will be in there as well on her LinkedIn and Facebook is High Stakes Mastermind. Stephanie, also, in addition to speaking, you run a, a mastermind group which is uh, amazing to be able to, I mean, to mastermind and to have someone like you as a mentor, as a coach, I'm assuming would be extraordinarily valuable and an experience like no other. 
I, I absolutely love it. I went through a training program for that. And I, I do have a couple groups. I have a live group here in the Phoenix area and want to have more than the one, but I also have a virtual group. So even for your listeners, if they're interested, um, I do max my groups at six people per group and I do vet people, but for the entrepreneurs and solopreneurs out there, because these are business mastermind groups with people that are really, really driven to grow and, and, and exponentially change their businesses and are, are willing to be held accountable. They're phenomenal people too, Matt. And if you had the chance to meet any of them, you would be inspired by the different individuals in these groups. They, they, they do me honor every single day that I work with them. That is outstanding. So you can find out more at uh, Facebook at High Stakes Mastermind or stephanieangelo.com. Um, let's, let's go into NSA culture a little bit if we can. National Speaker Association culture. So you've been the program chair for some time. Um, I know you've been serving uh, on the board, of course. And what I love about the NSA culture is it's very servant-minded, right? Like people who are members for any period of time many people will serve and it's a volunteer position. Tell me about specifically the Arizona chapter. Um, how many speakers do you bring in a year? Do you, do you do like eight or 10? Probably not 12, right? No, we have nine programs a year because we have, nine. we have a uh, no meeting in July or August. So is that 10? No, it's gotta be nine. Um, because we also have the convention that everybody goes to. And you're in Phoenix. And we're in Phoenix. Leave the house in we August. have a summer party <laughs> though, in August. Um, so, so, you know, the one thing that I, the first thing that pops to my mind when I think about the Arizona chapter is that we are fortunate enough to be the home chapter. Arizona is the home of Cavett Robert, who was the founder of NSA. Ah, I did and not know that. NSA, okay. if I remember correctly, I hope I get this right, was founded in 1977. I hope that's mm -hmm. correct by Cavett Robert. And some of the founding members that were with him at that time are members of our chapter today. And so I think that's one of the neatest things that we can say is that our, our meetings take place in the national offices. Even wow. though we're separate entities, we get to use that building. So that's really cool because when speakers come, they get to walk in the hallway and see all of these pictures and they see awards. And, you know, I've never been to any other chapters um, facilities. A lot of them have to do their meetings in hotels, things like that. Sure. Yeah. They just they have a rental facility. Oh, that's actually really cool. So listen, it, of all the different chapters, if you can be at the Arizona chapter that's something that we were talking about bragging and, and before we went on air, right? And, and if you're allowed to or not, or what does it mean about you? And I told you, I'm a big proponent of believe who you are and know your worth comes from who you are, not what you do. But once you realize that, I think it's really important to certainly be proud of what you've accomplished and to showcase things. Um, and there's this piece where we have to be willing to do this. Like, you know, I, I learned, I hired a media coach this year. And that's a lot of where, you know, we got the show on syndication for the radio and we started doing a lot of TV and different things like that. But one of the little aspects he taught me, I felt so uncomfortable with this, but I had to start getting used to it. I had to swallow my, what's the opposite of ego? <laughs> I had to swallow my humility <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, if that makes sense, right? Like taking pictures everywhere. But I had to swallow that and say, no, I actually need to do that. So the advice was when you're going to someplace prestigious, and I think the Arizona chapter totally falls in that category. It's like, you know, get a photo on the plane when you're heading over. 
Get a photo outside with the, the logo or whatnot. Get a photo inside the hallway. If, if you're, you know, when I'm going to a TV studio, you know, get a photo when you're in front of the set with the set and the camera behind you. You know, like you really, you need to be willing to use some of that prestige and, and let people know what you're doing. People who follow you uh, and people you coach in your communities, we want to know, right? So yeah. I try to do that. I know Stephanie does that. A lot of great influencers out there, we've learned to do that. So if you are newer as a speaker and you're listening to this, or if you've been around forever and you haven't been taking advantage of it, that's a really important thing. So I'm looking forward to a couple of days uh, being with you. It's so cool. We got this interview perfectly scheduled just before I think I'm flying out day after tomorrow. And it's so funny that you bring up the thing about taking pictures because one thing I try to do when I pick up the speaker, either from the airport or pick them up for dinner or what have you, one of the first things I do is say, we've got to get a picture. And we take that in the car and we also take pictures of the restaurant and of course at the speaking engagement and so forth. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. We will, we will, we will. Oh, and you know what? I need to make a correction too. Because I was thinking, how come I said there were nine meetings when I said we take July and August off? That's because we also take December off. We have yes, party. There's more. So we don't have a speaker. I was like, how come my numbers don't add up? And this is cool. So I, I've had a few different um, NSA uh, facilitators or, or programs directors and so forth uh, on the show so far. And what I found is, you know, every chapter runs it slightly differently. So again, guys, the idea behind the show is I want you to get a little bit of insight into some of these places. I've said it time and time again, every episode, one of the best ways to advance speaking is if you want to be on stage at a national conference, if you want a big association, most associations have smaller state, regional, or local chapters, whether it's International Association of Women, uh, we had Carol Soloway on, shout out to Carol, or if we have eWomen Network or NSA or the Veterinarians Association or the Dental Associations, there are smaller room, uh, groups out there you got to be willing to get out to these ones and you can really polish your, what you're doing. You can make great connections. And if you want to get to a national conference level, one of the best ways to do it, and Stephanie, I'm curious on your take on this, being part of an association or a couple of them at this point. Um, my, my thought is one of the best ways to do that is like if I want to be at National NSA one day speaking at the big conference, it would be really good to speak at a dozen plus chapters and meet everyone and be known and really build relationships with people. So when I put my hat in the ring, so to speak, you know, to be a national speaker, I'd want a bunch of voices chiming in and going, oh yeah, I know Matt. What is your outlook on that? And do you have, I don't know, any tips or ideas or strategies on building yourself to be more credible, more relationship driven to get to the point where you're on a national uh, stage? Sure. I think, you know, what's really important, and I, I get an influx of, of emails from people that want to speak for our chapter. The problem is, is that some of them don't really seem to show us anything that would be a, a real useful tool for our speakers to walk away with. We want our speakers to attend a meeting and be able to write notes furiously and walk away going, I learned this and I learned this and I learned this and I can use it now. And not only did they tell me their experience of here's what I did, but they actually tell us how to do it. And when we have speakers that there's something that's too much marketing of their services, yeah. that, that there's something that's really missing in terms of how useful it will be to our people, then it doesn't really resonate well. So you really have to, not everybody is meant for an NSA uh, audience. That's actually a really, really you, good point to bring up too. I appreciate that. Back to that honing down right? Hey, you don't yeah. need to be all things to all people. There are probably thousands of associations 
all around the world for all different purposes. Find mm-hmm. your home, find your people, and then go after that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and for example, I had somebody who contacted me who does a lot of presentations on, on doing copywriting, you know, like how to write text for your blog sales, and all sales that copy and, and grammar and whatnot. The thing that the person didn't understand is we have probably the best guru right in our chapter and she gives so much of herself. That's Barbara McNichol. Now I'm not really faulting that other person, but I sort of think that that other person probably should have done a little homework first Ah. (laughs) and known that we had like the guru right in our midst. Um, So I had to just say, look, I, I, I have to decline because you know, we, we have so much of this from our own person. Well, it's redundancy and there's a piece of loyalty, isn't there? There is. Now, having said that, that that doesn't mean that we don't look for people outside of the chapter. Well, I guess what I mean is loyalty. And if you have someone who's an expert copywriter, they're a loyal member of the chapter, and you wanted to teach on copywriting at some point, you'd probably look to her, wouldn't you? We would. Um, Same with, you know, storytelling. We would look to Doug Stevenson, who is so well known. Hey, shout out to Doug. our guy. You know, he's he's a member of our chapter. So it's it's tough to compete with Doug because he's he's so amazing. So, um, you know, I think a little homework in that regard is helpful. But you are absolutely correct that if you can start getting the rounds of, of chapters throughout the United States, your chances of speaking on the national platform are so much greater. And, and national platform can be anything from a general session to breakouts. Typically, people do breakouts like at the national conflict, conference before they end up on the main stage, to my knowledge. Well, and, and that also makes sense, too. So, again, we're saying that at, at big conferences, there's the main stage, which, hey, that's amazing. But, again, go back to bragging rights. Go back to relationship building. Go back to all these pieces. You know, my first exposure was uh, going to the NSA Winter Conference. And I did a breakout session at the, at the winter conference in, it was a Baltimore, I think, right? Or DC, mm-hmm. Baltimore. And it was a phenomenal time. Got to start, you know, meeting some people and whatnot. And I, I my first exposure to the culture. Uh, but when I talk about it, the neat thing is I can meet someone and say, oh yeah. And I spoke at the winter conference and they go, oh, you spoke at the winter conference. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to tell them, by the way, it was a breakout room and it was a side thing. And it was blah, like, why would you qualify yourself as less than what people think you are? You know, so don't, don't make things up. I always believe character, be true, be honest, but always frame what you've done as, as important as it is, because you're important and you deserve it. And I'm saying that for me and Stephanie and everyone listening. <laughs> I think we all need you to know, hear that. I think that's great. You know, I I was pro, I end up being programs chair a lot. I was programs chair for the winter conference here in Phoenix several years ago. Oh, can't even remember. Maybe 2008 or nine, ten, something like that. And um, you know, we have so many people that submit, and we look at so many videos and so forth. And a lot of those people were not really known at the time, and have gone on to do a amazing things with their careers since then. And it's really, really gratifying to be able to see that happen for people, you know, to watch that growth. It's so beautiful. It is, especially having, having been around for so long, being able to, yeah, like you said, just to watch people grow and to say, you know what, that was, it's cool to give someone a start or it's cool to, to be part of that. Let's go back to when you said you get so many requests. If someone wanted to cut through the fat, so to speak, um, and be able to connect with you, right? What, what, what kind of approach works? What doesn't work? You know, should, 
Should I go in to send a cold email and say, hey, Stephanie, I'm Matt and I should be a speaker? Um, how? So for me, for instance, I always say this, like I, I'm big on relationship and I want to build relationships. But if I don't know you at all, how do I convey my authenticity? How do I, how do I get a hold of you? How do I make a connection? What are some of the things that have worked if the, you know, you've met speakers and you thought, oh, I really like them or I'm going to book that person versus times when it didn't work very well. And you don't need to name any names, but I'm just curious. Do you have any stories maybe of something? Like, this is great. Or this was horrendous. Uh huh. So, so there are a couple ways <laughs> that, that people can connect. I do get a lot of cold emails, unsolicited, unsolicited yeah. emails, lots of them. And I do go through them and I, I either have to say, yeah, let me take a look. And, you know, some of those have really panned out for the person. Some of them have had to be rejected. Sometimes it's something as simple as the slate is already full. And we say, let's just keep you in mind for next year and I'll forward your information on or so forth. That is one way. Another way is how I came across. To, to know you, Matt, which was a referral. Mm -hmm. I happen to be having a conversation with Lynn Murphy that you know and I know. I've known Lynn for many, many years, 15, 20 years. I don't know, but it's been oh, a wow. She's a wonderful person. Can we shout she, out to Lynn Murphy right now? Lynn is just a, just an amazing human being. So Lynn, thank you for the connection. Yeah. This whole episode is actually Lynn's fault. So thank you, Lynn. Well, sheesh, let's blame her for all kinds of things because she led me to you. Let's blame her and for all the fun we're having. She she had many good things to say. I went and I looked at your website. I studied you a little bit before you didn't even know this. But after I studied you a little bit, I thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out to that person. So that's really, really important is being good enough to have that kind of word of mouth. The other thing that happens, Matt, is we literally go shopping at conferences so last year, I had the slate fairly full, but had deliberately left some slots open so I could see what was happening at the NSA convention. And some of the people I contacted after seeing them either on stage or a relationship was built or something like that. So you would go to so the NSA conference specifically? Yeah. And you see people speaking main stage or breakout and you say, you know what? So I, uh, you know, I, I'm serving on the, on the board for the Arizona chapter. We'd like to have you come out and you, you actually approach them. Yes, exactly. And, and I'll go back to answering the other part of your question, which was, you said something about what gets people like unqualified or takes. Yes. So there's what where not the to do comes in. I, I had a couple people that were recommended to me and I shopped them just like you. I looked at their websites and I did all that. And then I reached out to them and we started a dialogue. But when it came time to saying, okay, let's go with this. I need to get your, you know, I would say your bio. I would need to get the outline of what you're going to present, blah, 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 blah. And here's when I need it by. Yes. I wouldn't get it. And I would send them two or three reminders and I still wouldn't get them. And after about three times, I'm done because I have way too much to do. This is volunteer for me. I have a life. I have my own job that keeps me super, super busy. And there are way too many interested speakers for me to continue messing around with people who cannot respond. And, and the deadlines are always fairly generous. I mean, if I say, send me your bio and you've got two weeks, that really is something that a person should be able to send me in two minutes. Right. right. Like if, if you're trying to get book speaking, you should have this stuff ready. The only exactly. potential, 
um, I don't know, I guess exception I could think of is if, if you're having a conversation and you come up with, you know what, this is a talk that's different than normal, but I think this is what the audience wants. Great. Let me work on writing that up. Right. If you have to do something that's fresh or custom, but even that shouldn't really take that much time, would it? No, no. You'd have, you'd have the speaker intro. You'd have everything else ready to go as well. So exactly. don't forget to follow up. Uh, honor deadlines. Yeah, you know, and and one of the things is is you have to treat an NSA chapter like any other client. And I I cannot believe that some of these people would do that to their own clients. Right. And so that is a real it's a super, super red flag. And I just absolutely don't have time to continue messing with that. So I sort of fired a couple of people. You know, and, and I can see doing that. I love that. I'm going to write that. I wrote that in the notes here too. treat local chapters just like your high paying clients. Because, and here's the truth, right? Like they could become even higher paying clients in a roundabout way, especially if you have any programs, products, or services, uh, a local chapter of any organization. What if you, what if you had one, two, five clients that came from that audience that you followed up with down the road? And I don't know what you charge for your services, but is it 5,000? Is it 10,000? Right? So you can get paid $5,000 for a keynote talk at a corporation or you might actually earn $50,000 from down the road lifetime client value. And it was all from one connection, one talk at one local place that you treated them like royalty, not like poppers because, oh, it's just the Rotary Club, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, because you and no I talked earlier about, great. We, we had talked earlier about people whose careers we saw flourish because they got a chapter opportunity and then they got a small winter conference or something and it built and built and built. Why would you ever take an opportunity like that for granted? Yeah. yeah. So, so strong character uh, and, and great, and great, you know, management leadership skills. Uh, let's, let's kind of, as, as we wind down our time together, I know we got to, um, I got to let you get running with your life and everything. There's so much to do. You said yourself, it is such a busy time right now. And I know that's certainly true. Um, any final advice from the speaker side, not as a promoter, but something maybe that you've grown your business. You've been doing this for 15 years. Um, uh, as you said earlier in the show, what is something that, what, what's a strategy or a way that has been maybe a breakout strategy for you, a way that, I don't know, how, how you booked a new type of a client or um, uh, when you raised your prices a certain way. Is there any, I don't know, any kind of ninja strategies of that you've been able to, to leverage or utilize as a keynote speaker and a successful one at that? Ninja strategies. Well, you know, it's interesting because I had to get out of my own way. I still have to get out of my own way a lot. I, you totally know, I'll, I'll admit that, you know, having the self-esteem like, oh, should I do this? But when I just said, here's my price, I surprisingly did not get pushback. And that that was a really cool thing. And I think that's part of the thing that we have to we have to really get a little bit more comfortable around. Some people are naturally very comfortable around that, and I give them kudos. But there are a lot of us, maybe more of us than than not, that really have to get comfortable with that idea of saying, here's my fee and just being comfortable with getting that right out there. And I've actually had like a bureau say to me, well, um, I originally offered you X, but can I now offer you at X? And it's actually a couple thousand higher. And I'm like, well, 
why sure. did they do that? Go, go for it. So that has been really. Well, a why, why would they do that? What 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 happened? Because that's I mean, let that should be the whole title for this show is how to get people to offer you more than your normal fee. What what, what kind of circumstance is it? Well, I had this fee, but I'd like to give you more. What causes that? I wish I had a really good answer. I, I I can only think right now, and maybe in the middle of the night, I'll think of something different, but I can only think right now that what I had to offer was really precisely what the client was looking for. Yes. And it answered all of their needs in terms of the stories that I could tell, in terms of the value I could provide. It was everything that they needed. And I think that they just were willing to pay for it. And so they didn't want to lose the opportunity. You know, let's get, let's get this person, let's get the speaker while we can, because if we don't nail it right now and pay the fee, we're going to lose this opportunity. Do you remember the, 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 the time frame or the, or even like the mental or emotional part of when you started raising your fee? Like, do you remember a particular time when you said, well, I, I'm a speaker and this is my fee and then you knew that it was time to raise it as a generality. Um, do you remember a time when you did that? And if so, how did that feel? And how did you, how did you feel confident about it? Um, you know, when you went to that next client and said, well, actually, my fee is this. Mm-hmm. Do, do you relate to that at all? I do. There have been times when I've been shaking in my shoes and other times I've been confident. And I think that the times that I felt comfortable were the times I just said, oh, what the heck to myself and just let's just do it because what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they say no. And then we might get into some sort of negotiation and we say, you know, well, then I will take this out of the program and we'll just have it be this much. And you have these options built in or something of that nature. Most of the time, Matt, I just thought, oh, what the heck? And was surprised with myself that it was accepted. And I thought, well, if I can raise it to this and it's getting accepted, then in a year I can raise it to this and it will be accepted. I can raise it to this and it will be accepted. And isn't it funny how we put on those time frames for ourselves? Like, well, in, in a year I'll be able to do this. Well, like if it got accepted today, some for me, I think so. I, I do a lot of coaching as you do and masterminding with business owners, entrepreneurs. And one of the biggest things is around pricing. They say, well, What should I price myself at? And the first thing I notice is almost everybody prices themselves too low. And number two is pricing is, is internal psychology more than is external psychology. You know, it's not about, I mean, yeah, you have to lay it out the right way and say, Here's what I do and here's the value I bring. And this is, you know, you find out what they need, so forth. But when you lay your price out, it's internal psychology. It's how do I feel about this? Do I believe this is a good price for me? Mm-hmm. Is this a good deal for them? Because your voice, your your tonality, your your posture, it's gonna it's going to betray you if you don't believe that. So I think that's a pretty darn important thing. Um, and I need to work on that myself for my keynote fees because I'm like I can charge a lot for private coaching now because I get like I know that. But I'm so used to my background. That's why I love talking to you guys, especially keynote speakers and, and people in those organizations. Um, I'm a platform speaker by trade, right? So I grew up kind of cutting my teeth, so to speak, in the speaker world, 2006, 2008, um, on multi-speaker like sales platforms. And I didn't have a choice. That's kind of where I got thrown in. And they said, hey, if you can sell a $2,000 product after an hour speech, then we'll have you on our stage. And I'm like, Okay, so I had to figure out how to do that. I, so I always came from that angle, 
So for me, my psychology personally is trying to really wrap my mind around a five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar. This is my speaker fee, and this is why, and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for someone like me, Stephanie? <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't really get locked into the time frames. You know, we did say, well, next year I'm going to do this, and the year after I'll do that. Sometimes it can really fluctuate, Matt. You know, it might be in six months you change things again because you find a demand. You know. It took a long time to kind of resonate resonate with me when people would say, do what your clients are asking for, do what the world is asking for. And and I had to listen to that for a while. And so I think, Matt, when people start to really ask you, well, what else can you do? And 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 I'm really interested in this. Can you help me with this? Do you know about that? it kind of opens up some more channels while still staying in your vein. Cause remember we talked about not being way too diverse because that's going to confuse people about who you are. Right. So almost like you can bring the diversity and topic into the conversation afterwards. So like they already know you're an HR specialist on whatever topic, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then as you're talking, they might go, gosh, that's actually really good. So could you do something on conflict resolution? And you go, Oh, yeah. absolutely. And now you're talking custom in a conversation versus up on your website as one of your multiple topics. Is that kind of what you mean? Kind of. I mean, you know, to the, to that note, I mean, I worked in domestic violence for so long that I know. I'm sure that would be one of your topics. (laughs) It it can be conflict resolution in a really softened manner, you know, really change. But when you can experience and deal with that, you know, what happens between people at the workplace. Yeah. You know, we can modify to that sort of thing. You know, or, or, or uh, facilitating mastermind groups where you've got different opinions and so forth. Yeah. Really looking to, to work with people in that manner. So for somebody like yourself, there are probably so many things that you do that you may not have realized actually can overlap to other areas. Like I never knew that you worked in sales before. Wow. I mean, you know, now that that gives me some whole, a whole other avenue I could talk to you about someday. Yeah, that's really good. One of uh, one of my friends um, is a, a Olympic athlete, keynote speaker, and he says that about seventy percent of his gigs are sales kickoffs, but he doesn't really advertise doing sales kickoffs. <laughs> Right. His topics are something different, but then they go, Oh, actually, that would be great for our sales team. Can you do that? Yeah, of course I can. And, and now he gets that. So I love the, um, the advice of be specific, but also be willing to customize through a conversation. Um, Stephanie, as, as we wind down for the final thoughts here, um, if you had just one piece of advice for a you 15 years ago, what would it be? For what would you tell the younger you? I, the 12-year-old you. The 12-year-old, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. I won't tell you what I'm going to be on my next birthday. Um, you know what, what I, the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask me that question is, is I didn't really understand what people were saying with certain things. Let's just take, for example, the phrase, do what your clients are asking for. It didn't really resonate with me. And so I was afraid to really ask deeper questions. What does that mean? How do I go about it? And so I think that my advice to listeners would be, and it's funny because I even have this on one of my, my mastermind groups, the private 
Facebook group that we have, our private group, the banner says, ask more questions. And so that's what I would say to your listeners is ask more questions. If something doesn't really resonate and, and you think that the speaker is trying to tell you something, but you're not getting, well, what do they mean by that? Ask more questions, field it more out there, not only with them, but with others. What great, great advice. I think in, in any sales conversation or any service oriented place, always, if we can ask more questions, be more curious and, and quit trying to have all the answers, mm-hmm. get curious about what somebody needs and then find it and give it to them. Great, great advice. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your, your time, your candor. Um, you've been such an open book and um, book. I'm, I'm 13. <laughs> 12 year old you. <laughs> That's the, the 12 year old me says, thank you, Stephanie. Uh, th- thank you so much. Uh, so Stephanie, Angela, everybody, again, um, NSA uh, current programs chair for the uh, Arizona chapter, former chair for the SHRM Society for Human Resource Management, member of Toastmasters International Speaker. You can check out Stephanie's book at on Amazon, the book Serrated. And you can find out more about her high stakes mastermind group, uh, and her coaching and her speaking. If you want to look at booking someone who kicks butt in HR, go to stephanieangelo.com. And her Facebook page is High Stakes Mastermind. If you want to follow up on that, I really, really encourage you. Uh, Stephanie is a person of substance, of strong character, and a huge, huge heart and willingness to serve and help others. Um, I think you would be blessed to have her as uh, counting her as, as a mentor and a coach. So thanks again, Stephanie, for the show. Thank I sure appreciate you. it. I have had so much fun talking to you, Matt. Thank you so much for just asking me to be with you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, guys, that's the show today. Remember, uh, if you haven't already subscribed, subscribe so you'll make sure you get each and every episode. They come automatically. You can have them downloaded to the device of your choosing. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Podbean, wherever you get podcasts, you can get this. You can also see... Uh, a little more animated, active video version up on YouTube, and up on our Facebook accounts. So make sure you subscribe. Be a part of this Speaking of Getting Booked clan. More to come later. As usual, I'm looking forward to seeing you on stage. <laughs> <laughs>